friends. Welcome to Stand to Reason, our weekly podcast. If you haven't noticed already, but I bet you have, I'm not Greg Kokel. My name is John Noyes. I'm one of the speakers here at Stand to Reason, but I am not alone on this podcast. I have my faithful companion, Robbie Lashua. Are you with us? I'm here, man. Thanks so much. This is going to be a fun day. I got nervous there. There was a pause and I was like, uh-oh, he's not there, but he is, <laughs> but he is. Can you believe that they let us host this program? No, I have no idea what they're thinking, <laughs> but here we go. So it's going to be great. It is going to be great because we've got a really great topic for us to talk about. Something that's very relevant, uh, not only to Robbie and I, but I think also relevant to, well, our, our larger listening audience, at least I hope it is. It's, uh, it's raising yeah, sure. children, you know, parenting and a perspective on it. And uh, Robbie, you've got kids, right? I do. Yep. I have one wife and I have four kids. So uh, I've got a daughter, Greta. She's 10. I've got a son, Cohen. He's eight. I've got another daughter, who is Elsie, who is six. And then my fourth kid is another boy. And Jesse, he's three. So, dude, I'm in the thick of it right now. That's like yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of kids. Not not a lot of wives. That's good. It's, it is. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, just one. That's right. And you too, man. Like you have you have the same amount of kids as me. You have four kids, right? I do. I've got I've got four amazing uh, daughters, and I've got Eva. She's twelve. I've got Phoebe. She's ten, almost eleven. I've got Joelle. She's nine. And I have a net who just turned six last month, and they are a handful, but I wouldn't have it any other way. They're amazing. I have, I have a question for you. I'm, I'm, it's kind of like not in line with – I mean it's in line with what we're talking about, but it just came to my mind. What I'm asking – I'd like to know what you think the most challenging part of parenting is. Oh, man. <laughs> the most challenging part? I, well <clears> – <throat> Aside from me and my sin issues, not screwing them up, right? Like that's number one is like, I'm part of the problem. Um, You're perfect. Aside from that, I think one of the, no, <laughs> no, not even close. Uh, I think one of the hardest things for me is, um, and again, this isn't like, this isn't like a new revelation or anything, but it is amazing to me how these same four kids can come from the same two people and be raised in the same environment and they're completely different from one another personality wise. So like it, I really like, um, I like to figure things out and I like to have order and I like to know what I'm doing. And so like raising kids with, um, discipline and raising kids with encouragement is so weird for me because each one of them is so different from the other one personality wise that it doesn't work yeah. the same with each kid. And I think that's been one of the one of the hardest things for me raising the kids is realizing it's not a cookie cutter model. They're all so different and I need to adapt and discipline differently and encourage differently and teach differently. That's been one of the hardest things for me to learn and to to get good at with my kids. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree actually. It's like one of the, one of the most difficult things for for me is it goes along with kind of like what you're saying is consistency. And when you start mixing mm -hmm. up the different personalities with each children and, and where they are in the stage, like for right now, uh, the, the major struggle in my house and these struggles are like, I hope that these are the struggles forever. Cause they're almost nothing, you know, they're so there, there's, yeah. there's no real consequence to them. The major struggle that we're going through right now is my 12 year old is wanting to stay up later 
than my 10 year old Mm. and my nine year old and my six year old. So we're wrestling with this and how can you stay consistent and, and, uh, and while allowing, you know, the other kid, like one kid to grow up while keeping the others kind of, I think the word I have is protected or, um, insulated, I Mm -hmm. guess is kind of like what I, what I would say that we do. We protect them. Right. So, so my 12 year old wants her independence, certain freedoms. She wants to watch movies that are a little bit more mature. She's like, you know, monsters Inc. Uh, is no longer appealing to my 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. uh, although it is appealing to me, <laughs> like, you know, so, but, um, but yeah, that's, sorry, that was kind of off our notes. I was just wondering if maybe you're wrestling with some of the same stuff that I am, you know? Um, yeah, man, I, I think, I think as apologists, we just like, we like to figure it out and like have a game plan. And then with the different personalities, it's like I need four different game plans, which really threw me for a loop. So yeah, yeah right and, there with you. And one of the other challenges that I'm facing, and maybe maybe we could talk about this a little bit, is, uh, man, my kids ask awesome questions and really hard questions. And mm-hmm. sometimes I feel the pressure to have all the answers, right? I'm like the professional Christian apologist. And, and this is what we do. We, we travel around the, the country and speak on these topics and we answer strangers' questions. But the most difficult questions I get are oftentimes while driving my daughters to school. You know, uh, mm. an, an example of this is recently. So we, we had a loss in our family. My, my wife's father, Tom, he passed away. He died. And so we're processing this. And my, my middle, older middle, uh, my younger middle, uh, Joelle, she has amazing questions about heaven. Because she's like, mm. she, she's like super scared, right? She's, she, and I'm like, why are you scared of heaven? Like, I can't wait for heaven. You know, it's like glory. It's amazing. But she doesn't have the background of it. And she's asking these amazing questions about heaven. And I'm sitting there in the car like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not sure how to answer that. Do you, do you, are you getting those types of questions? And, and how, how about this? How do you deal with questions <clears throat> that you don't necessarily know the answers to from your kids? Yeah, well, one of the things that's difficult is even when I do know the answers, sometimes they don't act like they're satisfied. Yeah. Like when I, I don't know, man, when I go speak at places, like you'll say something and people will be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, wonderful. And with my kids, they're like, nah, that doesn't do it for me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the answer. So even when I do know the answers, it's not satisfying to them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but when I don't, when I don't know, like, <clears throat> and um, I've learned this over the years, uh, I'll just say I don't know. Um, because, um, in the past I'd try to bluff my way through it or try to just talk and hopefully a great idea would come to my mind and that never works. Um, and so I'll just say, you know, I don't know about that. Let me look into it. I'm going to find out the answer or let's go find out the answer together. And then, and then we'll, we'll be able to satisfy that question. So that's one of the things I, I try to do with them. Um, but yeah, it is funny when they, they look at you as if, you know, you have all the answers. And then when you tell them you don't, it's interesting because first of all, it's, it's humbling, but secondly, it's just transparent to them that, yeah, I'm just a human being, but we can both seek God together. So that's one of the things I try to do um, instead of pretending like I got all the answers. Yeah, that's, a, I think, a great um, a great lesson that we could all learn as we go into this conversation about, you know, parenting and, and uh, figuring out how do we raise our kids, especially in this generation, like the, the culture that we find ourselves, it's, it's just providing us with more and more challenges. And the, the key there, I think, of what you said is when you don't know— you say, I don't know. And it's, it's mm-hmm. funny. I was just on a podcast and this question came up. That's kind of like why I asked it of you. I was just on a podcast and the, the host asked me this question because she, she was struggling and saying like, I always want to be, I always want to have answers for my kids. But as they get older, the answers are more and more difficult. And sometimes I don't know, what do I do? Mm. And I just said, well, you just say, you just tell them the truth. You know, I don't know. But then the key is you yeah. say, but I think I can find out. 
and then even better with the mm-hmm. kids, and maybe this could lead us into some some more content here. But with the with my kids, what I try to do is I try to involve them in the kind of the the finding out process. So I'll I'll say, okay, well, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know necessarily, but I think the scripture or the the Bible's going to tell us about this. Let's look at the Bible. Okay, let's figure out where do we have to look. Okay, for heaven. Okay, Revelation. Okay, let's look at Revelation and what it says, and we'll read it together. Um, I have uh, now. I'm going to switch gears for you. I'm going to go back kind of to our notes, if that's okay. Do uh, okay, yeah. okay. I don't really know a ton about your history and your past. Did you grow up in a Christian home? I did, yeah. My um, so my grandpa was unsaved. They lived up in the Bay Area, in uh, San Francisco, and uh, he got saved in his 30s, and then like really changed his life and uh, went to started going to seminary, working at a church up there uh, that had a huge like Filipino uh, congregation in uh in pacifica and uh then he uh wanted to be a pastor and so my my mom's side of the family (laughs) they moved from the bay area in the 70s to pine arizona this little town in the mountains of like you know there's probably like 500 people living there at the time uh mormon town right founded by mormons way back in the day and so yeah i i was born uh there my mom and dad met in that small town and uh, I was born, a, and my grandpa was a pastor, and my my dad's side of the family was saved, and my mom's side of the family was saved, and so yeah, I just I grew up in in a Christian home in a Christian environment with Christian grandparents in a small town that we saw a lot, who both loved the Lord. So it was it was pretty sweet actually. And like building on that, have you like what did you learn from your parents in the context of raising kids? Is there anything that stands out? A few principles that like mm-hmm. looking back, maybe they didn't directly teach you, you know, how to, how to, Hey son, when you raise, when you raise your children, you want to do this, but what did you learn from, uh, from your parents growing up? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, you know, it's that whole more is caught than taught thing. And so the example that I saw, so a couple of examples that really still stick out to me that nobody ever told me like, this is how we do it. But like church was just a priority. Like that's what we did. We went to church every Sunday and it wasn't even like a question. I never once thought like, Hey, let's not go. It was just life. Like <laughs> our family was there, our friends were there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was it was good to hear scripture. So, like, yeah, we just, I mean, we went to church. It was always funny to me. Like, as I got older, you know, I'd hear like people are like, Oh, I'd rather go out on the boat, or oh, I'd rather go hunting. And not it just was always bizarre to me. I'm like, well, but that you can do that other days. Like Sunday is to be with God's people. Sunday's to be with the Lord in his house, you know? And so it was just a bizarre um, idea for me that we wouldn't go to church. So like church was a priority. Like that was just what we did. We, we went to church. Um, we memorized scripture a lot. Like that was something that my mom worked on us with um, and programs in church. We, we did a ton of scripture memorization. So that was the second one. And then the other one, I guess that was a really good principle that I gleaned was that the Bible has the answers. The Bible has the answers. Um, and so I remember one time I was reading through the Bible for uh, a youth group thing I was doing. And um, I came across um, that passage where it talks about how Judas was thrown into a field and his his stomach got cut and his guts, you know, came out. Remember that story? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I, so I was reading that and I was I was probably like 12 or something. And in my head, I'm like, wait a second. I know that he he hung himself. And so I had this existential crisis of, wait a second, there's there's a contradiction. Ah. There's conflicting, right? There's issues here. 
And I thought like it was so funny, like looking back, because in my head I'm like, nobody, nobody must have seen this before. Nobody's questioned this ever. I discovered this, right? As a 12-year-old reading the Bible. And so I called my grandpa, who was a pastor, because I wanted answers. Because I'd been taught, like, no, the Bible is the way the world really is. So like we're we seek out answers. So I called him up and I was a little nervous because I didn't want to ruin his faith or anything. Um, but I asked him, like, have you ever seen this? Like, is this a thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's no big deal. And he's like, we, we talk about that all the time. Like in seminary, we talk about it. And yeah, people have written books about this. That's no that's nothing. And he explained to me how the two can be um, can be reconciled. And it just like alleviated all that angst I had. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I didn't see that. And he's like, if you look carefully here and here. And so one of the things that um, I really was was happy about my upbringing was that we were taught that the Bible and, and Christianity is reality and that we can press into it and we can investigate. I, I never once had, you know how you'll hear people say um, that they were told, oh, just have more faith or, oh, just trust it. Like, I don't ever remember having somebody say that to me. They would always say, well, we can seek it out. We can look for answers. And so those three things, I think, like church being a priority scripture memorization, and then being able to seek out tough questions. Those are three things that I had exemplified for me from a young age that I think really helped me uh, develop in my faith. Yeah. The, the, um, it's really interesting having, listening to you talk, you know, I didn't, I did not grow up Christian. Uh, I, I remember going to church. There was a Catholic church down the street from me. I, I remember going to it like once or twice and it, where I grew, I grew up in the Northeast. So we're culturally Catholic. Um, and, mm. and so like, I mean, there's a Catholic tradition and part of that is, is to get your first communion and, and get confirmed within the Catholic church. And, but there was never any teaching behind it. So it was kind of hollow, you know, and, mm, and, yeah. uh, my parents put me in CCD and my earliest memory of the church is actually, I got kicked out of CCD. So I remember the, the priest like walking me out of the church and having my mom come and pick me up and then say, Hey, don't ever bring your son back here again. You know, oh, man. so, so like, but, but it doesn't mean like, so I didn't, I didn't learn like the things that, that you're, you're saying that you learned from your, um, from, from your grandpa and from your parents are fantastic skills. I didn't learn those things, but I did learn like mm. the importance of, you know, being honest, right? We, we always tell the truth, even if it gets you in trouble and, and yeah. these types of things. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's just really interesting hearing your, your take on it. Whenever I talk to people who grew up Christian, uh, it, it, it it's always, it's just really interesting to me because that's not my background. And actually, I didn't, I don't think I grew up with all that many Christians in general. You know, I, I didn't know a ton mm. of them, but, but, but our, our parents yeah. still teach us, you know, uh, the, the importance of, of well, growing up well. And, uh, and, absolutely, you know, and, and I love like some of the stuff that you said, cause these are what I'm actively pursuing with my girls. Memor memorization of scripture. It's mm -hmm. just so important to hide God's word in our, in our hearts is, is what the scripture says. Right. So, so uh, when we're confronted with life challenges or even some of the questions that my kids bring up, like, what's the Bible have to say about this? And that relates to your third point, which I think is so poignant like to teach our kids. Like we're talking about how, how are we raising our kids? One of the things that I'm stressing with my kids that wasn't stressed with me, obviously, but I'm stressing with my mm -hmm. kids is that the, the Bible is, it tells the true story of reality, right? These, yes. these are, these are different the, what we're reading in the scriptures are different than my, my kids like reading, like, you know, the Grimm's fairy tales, our brothers Grimm's and, and all of these things. Yeah, And they're, and they're different. And what's really cool is my kids now, especially the older two are starting to be able to read, like they'll read the gospels and they can tell the difference just by reading. Oh, it that's awesome. Between yeah. the, the fairy tales and the true accounts that are, that are <laughs> in the Bible, which is like, which is just so cool. What, what other good habits, like, 
are you actively pursuing? Is there anything that you and your wife are saying, you know what, we want to sow this into our kids? There's really like three things that we talk about a lot that we we're trying to accomplish. So like at the macro level, <clears throat> there's three things that we want to happen. And I've actually learned this from, from other people. So I didn't, I did not come up with this. Um, <laughs> but one of them is like when, when my kids move out of the house, I want them to love Jesus, right? That's a huge goal. I, I really want them to love Jesus and follow what he says. And my second goal is I want them to love reading and then I want them to have a good work ethic. And if we can accomplish those three things, I think that we've kind of uh, raised them well for, <laughs> for the future. Now, those are big three so, macro level, right? There's so much that goes into all of that. Right. But that's what I'm shooting for. Three things. Just I need simple. I need three things. That and I'm that's what I – how are you, how are you uh, pursuing a love of reading with your kids? Because this is, this is a well, struggle. The thing is, is like, okay, again, I think our example is huge. So my kids have to see me and my wife reading. They have to see it. Like we, we could tell them all the time, you need to read more. You need to read more. But if we're watching TV five hours a day, they're not going to believe us. And so I want them to see me read. And so I read a lot of books. I know you read a lot of books. And sometimes I'll intentionally go out of my office, go into the living room where the kids are at, and I'll read a book in front of them just because I want them to see me reading. <laughs> I want to exemplify, yeah. hey, this is a life style. We need to read books, read well. And so that's one of the things that we do. But we also read, you know, my kids are little, so we read books to them. Um, my wife is awesome at this right now, even just earlier today. Uh, she's reading through the wing feather saga with yeah. the kids. You know what I mean? And they love it. Um, we've read through some Narnia books together as a family. So just reading to your kids and reading in front of your kids, I think is important to help them have a, uh, a healthy view of reading. It makes them want to do it, you know? Yeah. And I actually, there's studies. I don't have them in front of me, but there's studies of the benefit of actually reading out loud, even to your older kids, uh, even to your 10, 12, yeah. 13 year olds, if they'll sit there still, uh, read to them. As, as, that's something that I really wish. Oh man, you're like convicting me as you're speaking. Like, Dang it. I need to start <laughs> doing that more. You know, I, I'm super convicted, but I liked your three kind of pillars. We have a similar thing. And, and above all, we, 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 we emphasize truth and we like drill it into mm. our kids uh, we'll say what's true because they're confronted by so many lies, you know, uh, today, like yes. my, my, man, my kids, we just got rid of all, um, the, like the, the paid subscriptions that you can have on Apple TV, you know, like the, uh, the Disney plus and all this stuff. We got rid mm -hmm. of them all because they're watching this stuff and I'm, I'm sitting there watching it with them. Usually my wife and I would preview stuff, which I guess is another tip that we could offer is preview, protect your kids. But, um, yeah. Like what, what people are saying, it just isn't true. They're confronted with these lies of the culture. So we'll always say, well, we, we always pause stuff and we're talking to the kids about truth. And my kids, dude, they, they like roll their eyes now at us. They're like, oh, come on. Can't we just watch it? I'm like, no, well, you got to know the difference. Like what, what's true? True is that which accurately reflects the world around us, you know? And they, and they pick this up. So truth honesty. We're teaching our kids. Uh, we want to be honest people. So mm -hmm. we have a policy that if you tell you the truth, and you're honest on the first try, you're not going to get uh, in, in as much trouble. There'll be consequences to your actions, but they're not sure. going to be that severe. But if, but if the, on, but if the reverse is true, then you're going to really pay the piper. It's going to be big, you hmm. know, cause I just don't want That's you to good. lie. I like, I'm going to steal that. Tell the truth at all costs, be honest. And then we have, uh, we, we, we have a thing that we, we think our family name is important, not because of, <laughs> the the genealogy of our name i don't even know what noise is to be honest with you um 
I think it might be German or Brit. I have no idea. It's it, but uh, but we take oh, pride okay. that we're a family. You know what I mean? Like like, and that mm. means something yeah. because because God created the family, right? God designed the family for for a purpose, right? And and yep. and He stresses this in the scriptures in a number of places. So I think the family unit is very very important, and that's one of the things that I feel like the current culture is is trying to tear at. It's it, it and the family is mm. is the is the way I look at it is there's these threads that are holding the tapestry of the culture together, and and one of them is the family, and through a number of mm. means the the culture is kind of tearing that thread apart from the tapestry, and we want to uh, instill in our kids that the family is really important. Like you are sisters, and 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 I'm your yeah. father. Like you are a noise. And that means something. And, uh, and we're hoping that mm-hmm. in, the, in the long run, I mean, right now, my kids, they seem like they fight more than they get along, um, like squabbles going sure. on everywhere, you know, but we're hoping as <laughs> yeah. we sew this in, they'll, they'll pick that up and they'll, they'll come together. And then the fourth one is, is uh, Christ, of course. You know, Christ is at the center of everything we do. Jesus uh, is who mm-hmm. he claims to be. And, and we can know that. <clears throat> and we're trying right now, I'm trying to emphasize prayer in my family. Which is, we asked, I asked earlier, what's a challenge? Man, trying to get my kids to, uh, to pray, especially the older one. For some reason, Eva, she doesn't mm-hmm. love to, she's going to listen to this and she's going to be really mad at me. Um, she's going to be so mad at me, but she doesn't love to pray, <laughs> you know? And like me, I love to okay. pray. I'm always praying. And then my you love to pray. That's very true. You love to pray. <laughs> I love to pray. It's like, it's, and that's a good thing. It, well, it's a privilege, yep. right? So I, I, I come to think of yeah. it and I'm trying to explain it to my kids. Like, this is like, this is a pretty cool thing that God's given us, you know, I mean, because the relationship has been, been, been uh, repaired because we have this access to God, we get to speak to him whenever we want. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Like we get to, got to talk to the creator and sustainer of the universe whenever we want. And not only that, it's never a busy signal. It's never like I'm too busy for you. It's always, he's always listening with listening ears and he's mm-hmm. always willing to answer, you know? And, um, and so these are the things that we're trying to stress at, at, at my house. And it's like, that's awesome, dude. It's so, it's so, so hard. Now I see that we're coming to, yes. we're at our break point. Do you, do you want to take a break? Is that good? I think we should. Yeah, that sounds good, man. Let's take a break. All right. So we're going to take a break here and then we'll be back in how long are the breaks? 60, 60 seconds. Amy Hall, help me, save me. It's like, they're like 60 seconds or so. And then we'll be back with, uh, with the second half of the show. Do you have a passion to train people in apologetics, but you don't know where to start? You may be interested in starting an STR Outpost. STR Outposts are local communities of Christians seeking answers to the hard questions about Christianity. Each outpost is led by a qualified director who trains others with STR content and curriculum in their local church. By becoming an outpost director, you will be equipped with the content and coaching you need to lead your own outpost. We currently have more than 60 outposts across the country, and we're adding more each month. If you're interested in learning more about starting an outpost, or you want to find a current outpost in your area, visit str.org outposts. You can also email me, Robbie Lashua, at outposts at str.org. Friends, if you like this broadcast, I know you'll love Hashtag STRask. It's our shorter 20-minute podcast where I am paired with the wonderful Amy Hall, and together we answer the questions you send us on Twitter. 
Hashtag STRask is released twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and it's only about 20 minutes long, so it's perfect to listen to on your morning jog or while driving around running errands or cleaning your garage or just plain loafing at home. Amy and I tackle your questions on theology and ethics and culture and lots more, offering our insight on the questions you're asking or the challenges you face. You can listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your own shows. Just remember, send us your questions on Twitter using the name of the podcast, hashtag STRask. That's hashtag STRask. And just like that, we're back. We are back in black. Well, Robbie, you're in black. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing yeah. good. Excited for the second half of the show. This is fun talking with you. It's going by fast. It is going by fast. You know, I was just telling Amy during the break that I really wish that you were here because I feel like the mm. conversations, I mean, you're here on the screen right in front of me, but the conversations in person, um, cause this is like such an important topic and it's, if I'm being honest, the, the raising kids and married being like marriage in general for me are the major, I don't want to say struggles because I have a really great marriage and I absolutely love my family. Being a dad is, is probably one of the few things I think I'm actually like pretty good at. You know, I th- like, I'm, not, I'm not like totally succeeding and stuff. I have a lot of failures, but I enjoy them, <laughs> right? So I enjoy my wife. I enjoy yeah. being married. I enjoy my family. And, and I think I'm doing an okay job at them. But it's also, man, it's the, being a dad and being a husband are two of the most difficult difficult things. I, I always say that they're, they're like of all the institutions that God has given us marriage and, and, and uh, being a parent are the, are the things that he uses to sanctify us. I think the most, because, uh, yes, we haven't even t- talked about this, but kids, man, at least my kids, they're like little mirrors. You know, I notice them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. They do the same stuff that I do. And like, I'm looking at them like, like Ree and I are passionate people. So, so I get, <clears throat> we, we get animated and stuff and we, uh, we're not yelling at each other, but we like, we're loud. And then I realize my kids are loud too. And I'm like, oh, we're teaching you horrible things. This is not how you want to communicate to each other. <laughs> Son of a gun, you know, yeah. but, but yeah. So anyways, I, I do wish that you were in studio and, and that we could chat about this stuff in person, but this will have to do. And, and thank God for yeah. technology. You know, we had, we had both kind of, yeah, it's cool. We can do this even distance. Yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, we, Amy and I were talking that I think I'm going to start praying for God just to kind of bring the two distances together, you know, Phoenix and LA and just everybody in the middle. Oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, and then we could just like walk, walk to work and, (laughs) and, uh, and get it done. That would be nice. Yes. And scary, (laughs) but okay. So yeah. We obviously, uh, we've, we've kind of touched on, and I kind of mentioned it before that, you know, there's a, I think a design for, for, for the family, right? This is something that God has, has ordained, you know, um, and he's, you know, the, that we're to marry for life. You, you started by saying you're a, you're a husband of one wife and, and that's a good thing because that's part yes. of God's design. And, and the part of that design to be a family husband of one wife is to uh, raise children and raise ch- children who honor him. And uh, I was wondering, have you ever looked at what the scriptures say about raising your kids? And maybe you could, I don't know, just talk about that a little bit. What's this, what's yeah. the Bible have to say? <laughs> Well, dude, let, let me share this because I think this is important. So, like, our, my church had this um, – they have, like, this parenting thing on Sunday afternoons where they took a whole semester to do, like, a parenting small group with a whole bunch of different tables and small groups. And there's probably, like, I don't know, 100, 200 people involved in this thing. And then they asked me and my wife to come because we weren't a part of it. 
they asked us to come and be on the panel up front to where people could ask us questions about parenting. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, why do you want us to come? Like, we're just trying to figure it out, you know? And so we get up there, we're on stage with some other people from the church who are, who are awesome. And, uh, these questions just keep coming in and I'm like, I don't like, we don't know what we're doing. There's no silver bullet. You know, everyone wants like, what's the one thing you can do that'll guarantee your child will grow up perfectly. Oh man, Nothing. There is nothing like that. And so what I think is the key, right, is to be humble and just follow what scripture tells you to do. And so Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is is one of the things I think about all the time when it comes to raising my kids. And so I'll just I'll read that really quick and, yeah. and, and then talk about it. So this is the, the Shema, right? This is a really important passage uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as signs on your hand and they will be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so this, I think, is something about the commands of God that I talk about God and his word all the time with my kids. I think this is important. It can't just be a Sunday morning thing where I let the Sunday school teacher do it. I'm supposed to do it, right? It doesn't say youth pastors talk about this with your students, right? It says parents talk about this with your kids. Yeah. And so it's my job. I'm the primary discipler of my kids. And I think that because I was a youth pastor for 10 years and the kids who turned out great would have turned out really well if they were in my youth group or not. Yeah. And it's because they had parents parenting them. That That's the key. I am if so... Your parents, Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just so glad you're mentioning this, Robbie, because I feel like oftentimes, um, and maybe I feel like sometimes I bring this perspective because of my background. Like you grew up in the church, and one of the things that you had mentioned is like you did programs within the church, and you're like, I didn't grow up mm-hmm. in the church, so I didn't have the church, right? So like I feel like sometimes those of us who grew up in the church, we rely on the church maybe even too heavily. When I say the church, I mean the institutionalized church, like the church that we go to on Sunday mornings that have all the programs. And parents, I oftentimes feel like we, we feel like it's the job of the youth pastor to make our kids Christian. And it's really not yep. fair because the youth pastor has your kid maybe what one, maybe two, if you have a midweek program, two hours a week, really that your job yeah. is as a parent, you're the primary discipler, right? You're, you're to teach. It's his parents teach your ways to te- teach God's ways to your yep. children. Right. That's what the scripture. Yeah. And this is like you were saying, that's what the family is. Like God designed a family to be a unit that disciples the younger kids. Like that's the whole idea of it. And and the other thing, going back to what you were talking about, how your kids are a mirror to you. Like you see yourself in those kids. Yeah. And has this ever happened where you're like, you can look at your kid <laughs> and you are like, I know exactly what they're thinking right now. Cause that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that happen? So, dude, <laughs> think about this. That is the best place to be to disciple your kids because the youth pastor doesn't have that biological connection or that insight into your kids yeah. that, that you and I have. Yeah. And this is this is God designed. He made the family unit to be the place where this type of thing takes place. 
But in our culture, we compartmentalize our life out to the professionals, right? So, so the, the, the pastor thinks for me spiritually, my football team wins for me athletically, right? And everything <laughs> is that the teachers teach my kids at school, the youth pastor teaches, and everything is just farmed out when no, we're supposed to be the ones who train our kids. And so this, this is something I think about a lot is how am I just talking about God's word and, and God's ways in an everyday life? Yeah. Cause I love it. It says when you're lying down, when you're walking around at the gates, like it's not, it's not a, a thing you do once a week, it's a life. And so when my kids were little, I started trying to implement this just in stupid ways. But you know, when they, when they could talk a little bit, you know, it was like a two-year-old, I'd go outside <laughs> and we'd look at the clouds and I'd say, look at that, those clouds. And they'd like, yeah. And I'd say, who made that? Yeah. And they say, God made that. Yes. And and who made the sun? God. And who made you? Yeah. God made me, right? And just catechizing them, right? Instilling these principles. So I think that is something all of us could do. Just how do we bring God and 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 what he says into the fabric of our life on a day-to-day basis, you know? Yeah, one of the one of the things that just raising my kids has has taught me. One is uh you you mentioned something like we're always kind of nervous about messing our kids up. Uh, anybody who's listening right now, and you're a young parent, just uh, I, I just want to dispel the myth right now. You will not raise perfect children. You will mess them up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, like <laughs> we we mess our kids up. But but except for Kyle, Kyle's shaking his head at me, being like, oh, "I got perfect kids." I don't. Well, pot, <laughs> Kyle. Someday, someday, man, you will have a rough spot, you know, I mean, no, but we all know it. And that's part of it. That's part of the sanctification process I was alluding to earlier, you know, but there's Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, you know, God always gives us that other day. And one of the things the next day to to improve on, you know, the one of the things and kind of you were alluding to when you point to the sky, one of the things I love about my kids, even as I mess them up, um, is, is the wonder that kids have you know, at the world around them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think I'm going to miss a lot because the wonder is something that I think the wonder of children is, in my opinion, it's an argument for the existence of God. Where does that wonderment come from? And then as Mm -hmm. we grow older, we get jaded and it dissipates over time. But that's one of the things I love most. And it's directly related to what you're saying is, is I talk about God all the time and it's not in forced weird ways. It's in truthful ways. Like we live in a beautiful place and my, my house, we have a deck that overlooks a valley and then there's mountains, the Topa Topas. And, and uh, right now I think mm. they're, they're, they're snow capped, you know, which is rare for me in Southern California to see them with snow, snow on them. And it's just amazing. And I point to it and I just say, look at that or a sunset. Like how beautiful yeah. is that? You know, who, who, who's responsible for that and who's responsible for this feeling and the kids, man, especially my little ones, my two littlest, they just take so much awe in it. You know, my 12 year old is now starting to kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool. But my six year old is just like, that's incredible. Like God made that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is so neat. You know, and, and just, and we get to, and, and the, one of the things I love most about parenting is, is engaging in that too. You know, yes. it, it's one of the ways that, that, uh, <clears throat> God gives us a peek into his glory, I think, uh, through our children and their, the, the sense of awe and wonder that they have as they look around. And it, it starts by you and I, like you're saying, and it comes from this verse right here. You know, I, you shall teach them diligently the, the, to your sons and, and you shall walk, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk mm-hmm. by your way. And this is a scripture, actually, my wife and I have taken the heart as well, where we try to engage yeah. them uh, in, in everyday conversation and just show them that God is everywhere. Um, all around us. Yeah. And dude, it's, it's, it's cool too. Cause like 
I mean, because again, we can do this in nature, right? Like you're saying, but like, why, why don't why don't Christians do this at Disneyland too? Like, dude, isn't it crazy? God made such genius people to make fun places like this for us to hang out. Isn't it great? Somebody figured out how to make churros. I mean, God is so good, right? I mean, yes. that that's the kind of stuff I want to instill into them when they're watching a movie, when they're going to a basketball game, when they're when they're suffering, right? Whatever is happening, God is real. He's involved in our life and and just just talking about it, I I think it alerts them to how things actually are. And so I don't know, man, like it's just um even I remember as a kid like my mom would be cleaning the bathrooms and just singing hymns and praising God. And I'm like in the bathroom, like really clean it. But that yes, yes, but that's what we're supposed to do, right? Like I can glorify God in any situation. And so I think sometimes we need to demystify this like idea of well, it has to be in church with you know 300 other people. Of course, we need to be doing that. But man, we need to be talking about God in our day to day life and showing pe- kids how we can appreciate it. And live a life of gratitude. I think it's really important. Yeah. And and I mean, the Old Testament's so rich with this stuff. And I feel like oftentimes we as 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 modern Christians today in the culture, we there's a separation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't oftentimes yeah. I'm just okay, I'm just gonna confess. Like historically, I don't spend as much time in the Old Testament as I do in the New Testament. I'm just being honest with you. And yeah, yeah. maybe I'm confessing a sin right now. So thanks Lord, for being honest. Yes. Well, but but if you look through the Old Testament, and I think it's part of Jewish culture and Jewish tradition, like you were talking like in the in the Shema, right? They're talking about phylacteries and, and actually literally, I mean physically yeah. taking scriptures, wrapping them in a scroll on a scroll, putting them in a box and then tying that box to their foreheads. And that's how that's how they walk around. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. They still do it, you know? But but I mean uh Joshua, Joshua reminds the Israelites and us too that you know to keep keep this book of the law. He's talking about the law of Moses, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. So you might be careful to mm. do everything written in it. There's a, there's a general instruction yep. there in scripture that we want to be meditating. So we, so we want to have it on our lips. We want to be looking at it. We want to be talking about it. So, uh, one of the reasons why I do that with my kids is because I want God speak. I call it God speak to, to be natural. All right. I just want like, yeah, like I want the, the, the like we live in a supernatural world. So we should talk like we yes. live in a supernatural world and we should talk and yeah. live like God exists. And it's not weird or awkward or to, to say God bless you actually means uh, there's a person, his name is God, <laughs> and I want that person, God, to bless you. You know, that's why I say it. it's not yeah. just like a, a euphemism, euphemism. And then we want to be meditating on these things day and night. We want it to be on our lips, but we also want to be thinking about these things. And and that's what the scriptures mm-hmm. tell us to do. Um, and And thank God that we have the scriptures to guide us because – Man, yes, it's like it, it's hard parenting kids. You know, it, it's so hard. So yeah. Anyways, it really uh, is. No, <laughs> <laughs> these are just like some of the things that come come to my mind. You know, uh, as is there anything else in in the scriptures that that come to your minds when examples or instructions or uh, for people might want to want to be more biblical? I yeah, guess, I mean, the, kids. The, the, there's the instruction, like one of the things I think about a lot is how Christ talks about servant leadership, right? Oh. And of course, we want that in the church. Um, but I think about that as as the dad, as the head of the household. Like, I mean, again, and this is like a God ordained um, uh, thing where 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 husbands are the leaders of the family unit, uh, and that's that's scriptural, right? Yeah. And I will be responsible before Jesus one day for my family and how I did. And that's, I don't like that responsibility, but that's what I got. That's, that's here. 
And so how do I lead? <laughs> how do I lead like Jesus? Because that's that's the key, right? And he who wants to be first will be last. And the greatest is the servant. That's so good. And so I, I think about that a lot. And, you know, it goes with those passages of Scripture where it talks about, you know, fathers, don't exasperate your children, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Yep. And so I think about, like, what does it look like to serve my kids? How can I serve them the best? And that doesn't mean, you know, being their buddy and doing, you know, whatever they want to do, of course. But what does it look like to serve them? How can I be patient with them when they're being idiots, right? How can I be kind in response to them being mean to me or, or blowing up or like all of those kinds of things? I really do just think about how Jesus was with the disciples. And I mean, it's kind of funny because they acted like like two-year-olds sometimes. Sometimes, right? yeah. And so that that helps me too is like, obviously Jesus is the answer, right? But I do think about, okay, if servant leadership is is what we're going for, that applies to my family unit too. How do I serve my wife? How do I serve my kids? Um, and I think biblically, that's one of the things I think about a lot. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, and then Ephesians verse, actually. So Ephesians 5, I think it's Ephesians 5. I don't have my Bible in front of me. I probably should. But um, Ephesians 5 gives the, the you know, um, the, the, for fathers not to uh, exacerbate your children, right? Do not provoke mm-hmm. them to anger. And in that yep. same verse, I, I hope I'm right on this. I think it's the same verse that, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ yes. has loved the church. And for me yep. as a as a husband... I mean, we're trying to talking about raising a family, I guess the, the being a husband's part of that. That's a verse that's always on my mind, man. Like, how do I love my, I mean, how do I love my wife as Christ loved the church? Yeah. Well, it's exactly what you just said. It's servant leadership. Christ gave him. And, and then I think the verse says, and he gave himself up for her. Yes. Right. For her. So where to be constantly as husbands, where to be constantly uh, leading by example, which you've stressed already, being a servant leader, being, being, giving ourselves over to our family and man, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard, but, but we keep doing yeah. it, you know? And, uh, and yeah, that's one of the scriptures that comes to my mind and anything else that comes to your mind? Scripture wise. I mean, I've just been reading through the Proverbs a lot the past couple of weeks. And so I think about all the places in there where it talks about my son, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying, like, please <laughs> take heed with this wisdom. And so I, I, I love, I mean, all the stuff in this, in the Proverbs is good, but man, there is just so much about sexual immorality and staying away from the perverse woman and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that as dads, like, again, I, I, I feel like our, I, th- I feel like our culture lets other people teach our kids about sex. Like it gets farmed out to the schools, right? The public school teaches my kid about sex ed. No, that is a parent's job. And and just looking at it through Proverbs, I see how much he talked about that to his sons. And uh, that's one thing I think is important for us to to take the responsibility of because one of the propensities I think of most men is to sit back and be too lax and not take charge and I think in in sexual stuff that comes into play. And so we'll let our culture or the schools teach our kids about it instead of us getting ahead of it, being proactive and saying, hey, we need to talk about this thing because God made it and it's awesome. Uh, but there are guidelines and there there is a way to do it correctly and morally. And so that's that's one thing, too, I've been thinking about a lot is how the Proverbs talk so much about sex and how a dad's trying to convey that to his kids. Yeah, and I, I think you're hitting on I mean, these are major, I mean, these could be whole shows, you know, sure. uh, the, the sexual ethics right now. I feel like we're in the wild, wild west. Um, yep. And, and it, and it's so hard. One of the things that, that I actually take this as kind of a success in my family. We've, 
there's this whole idea of, um, oh man, you said it the other day on the phone, insulate and inoculate or inoculate, not insulate. Yes. Yes. Inoculate. What is quarantine and inoculate, which was, <laughs> this was a phrase before COVID. So this is not a, this is not a COVID type. Now everybody knows what here. we're talking about though, you know, quarantine. No, no, no. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the idea is, is there, there's uh there's inoculate meaning expose our children to certain things. And then there's quarantine meaning completely separate our children off from stuff. And this yeah. is one of the areas that, that is probably the biggest struggle for me when we're talking as far as the, uh, you know, um, sexual ethics stuff. And actually one of the, one of the, so one of the main reasons why we got rid of um, one of the, the, the pay subscription services to our, to our TV mm-hmm. was I, I, I was watching a show with my kids and it was the blues clues. Have you ever seen blues clues? I don't know if you've ever seen it. I know it's, what it is. Yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then the blue it, dog, and the yeah, yeah, yeah. And I almost feel like silly even having to talk about this because we're talking about a cartoon where it's a it's a man, like a real man, but he interacts and his world is animated. and He interacts with a blue dog, Bluey or Blue, you know, mm-hmm. Blue's Clues, and they play like this game with clues and stuff. Well, this episode featured uh, a drag queen that proceeded to oh. lead uh, a family pride parade. And now it's an older episode, but we don't watch the new ones. And so, so I'm sitting there watching it sure. and they had a parade. The, the drag queen was singing a, a really catchy song. To, uh, the, the, the ants go marching one by one. Hurrah. You know, this is like to the tune of that song. Mm-hmm. And it's about all the different yeah. types of families that we should be prideful for. And it goes to, you know, some mm-hmm. families have two moms, some families have two dads, some families have two moms and one dad. Some families have three moms and two dad. You know, it's just like, it goes on and on. And the very last, the float in quotes float in this parade was, and again, I can't even believe I have to say this because it sounds so ridiculous. It had a purple beaver, right? And it had two, what looked like chest scars from a double mastectomy. This is, this, this show is geared towards five-year-olds and under. And the beaver had a double mastectomy. And and then I read an article about it uh, the next day because it was an older episode. I read an article about the next day and somebody asked the producers of the show, was this intentional? And they said, absolutely. We want to represent that type of family. Well, number one, as far as I can remember, absent the family pride parade was your traditional family. One mom, one dad with kids, right? Sure. And everything else was put in there. And now I'm sitting there like trying to explain this to my daughter. You know, and, and this is an example of, I I knew that this was going to come up because I had, I had watched it previously and I wanted to expose Mm -hmm. it to my two older kids so we could start talking about, because I'm sorry, but kids are already talking about this at at 12 year old, 10 year olds, their, their friends are already into it. And it was kind of in my circles, it was big. So even in the Christian kids were watching it and making comments. So I want my kids to be prepared. This is an instance where I was trying to uh, inoculate my children control the environment, you know, uh, watch something that I wish that I honestly wish that we didn't have to watch and explain, but we, but we do. And there, yep. As opposed to completely insulating, quarantining them. Yeah. Insulating them. them. Yeah. And there's, I have, dude, I have so many examples, Robbie, of, of when we've had to do this. Have, have you guys done any of this? Like, how do you go about what, what strategies do you use for, for quarantining versus inoculating? So a couple of things. So, okay. So 
you want to you want to as best you can do it at age appropriate levels, right? Yeah. So, for instance, I think my my oldest daughter was like eight when this happened. She was watching Arthur, you know that PBS show with, the art, <laughs> with Arthur. You, you know that I, show. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's an animated show, okay. but I don't think I've ever seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they were still making new ones. They're still making new ones. I had no idea. I thought this was like some old show they were showing reruns <laughs> of. Anyway, so I come home from work one day. And my daughter's like, dad, you will never guess the weirdest thing happened today on Arthur. I'm like what? And she's like, their teacher got married to another guy. Yeah. And I was like, no. And my wife's like, yeah, I checked it out. I rewound. Yeah, they did. They had a gay wedding on Arthur. And I'm like, oh man. And so we had to talk to her about it. You know, here's what scripture says. Here's why that's weird. What did you think about it? I thought it was weird, dad. Yeah. Well, that's because it is weird, you know, and we got we got into what scripture says. But so when these things come up, I think you have to address them. Sometimes it's easier just to be like, yeah, well, we'll tell you when you're older. You can't because your kids minds are wandering. They're thinking about stuff. You got to address it. But one of the things my wife and I did, and and this is, I don't, dude, again, is this right or wrong? I don't know. We're just trying to do yeah. the best we can. Right? Stumbling through it with everybody else. Yeah, because yeah, there's the whole you don't want to steal their innocence, but you also want to get to them before the world gets to them. Yes. And so we decided with my daughter, we said, you know, she's turning 10. We're going to make 10 like a important birthday for our kids. We want good rites of passage in this life. You know, not just uh, you can drive, you can drink, you can smoke, you can vote. Like those are the rites of passage. Well, those are culture, some you know? good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's what our culture, right? Those are, Absolutely. The, those are the age, you know, things. So we said, okay, we want to do stuff at 10, 13, 16, and 18. So at 10, um, we, we decided we're taking our daughter, just the three of us to a resort. She likes swimming. We're going to go to a good restaurant. We're just going to hang out the three of us uh, for, for a weekend. And uh, we're going to talk to her about sex. In age-appropriate ways, but we're, we're going to do this. And so we went out. I'll, I'll never forget. We're at ham, this hamburger place here in, in Scottsdale. And uh, we said, hey, Greta, we want, we, we want to talk to you about this thing. And so we, we launched into oh, it. And my, wife, my wife and I, our rule was um, we're not going to use fake terms for body parts. Yeah. We're going to call them what they are. And we're not going to act weird and uncomfortable. Because if we act weird and uncomfortable, she'll feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just had this conversation and, and said, this is an ongoing thing. You know, this isn't a one-time conversation. We're, we want to keep talking to you about this. And we want you to come to us when you have questions. Because we want to tell you what God says about it. And um, it's been great. Like, I don't know. So I, I want to get to my kids with important yeah. things before the culture gets to them. But that's the hard part is deciding when and where that is. And, and it's unique with each kid, too. Like, I don't know if I'll do that at 10 with all my kids. Sure. It'll depend on where they're at. But so those are the kinds of things we're, we're trying to do uh, when it comes to helping our kids have a Christian worldview is, is get to them first and help them to know they can come to us when they have questions. Yeah. And I, I love, I love what you're saying here. The, the good rites of passage. This is something that we're doing where ours is at 13 and we've, we've already talked to our girls about, about sex in general. I actually remember I was at a, so I used to pastor a, a fairly large church in Newbury Park, and um, I held apologetics conferences. Surprise! And one <laughs> one year we had uh, we had Josh McDowell come on Valentine's Day to talk about porn. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's good. That's it was great. great, man. It was great. And and I, I gotta tell you, like he changed the way I parent. And this is years ago, hmm. where he said he made the point, like you're saying, you need to get to your kids before the culture does. And and I think that that's right. And the culture is getting to our kids earlier and earlier and earlier. So we need yeah. to get to our kids earlier, earlier and earlier. 
And I remember going home and one of the things that you stressed that Josh stressed as well was uh, use anatomically correct terms. Like we, we always said, oh, that's your girl part, you know, because like, sure. that's comfortable yep. and, and not awkward. And then so we, we, my wife and I made the, we, we like, we were resolved that we're going to, we're not going to do that anymore. And it was like, I remember being I, dreading like having to say <laughs> it to my daughter, like my daughter. Yeah, sure. And then I remember saying vagina, right? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Amy's like, oh no. I remember saying the word and and the first time and my daughter was just like, didn't care. And I was like, why was yeah, I no. so stressed about this? Like, why was I yep. so stressed? And, th- and since then we've just used the anatomically correct things like but we we do it across the board uh for example um uh the 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 baby isn't growing in the mother's tummy the baby is growing in the mother's sure. womb you know so yep. so we want to and it, it leads kind of towards our uh multiple like our top goal as a family is is truth right our our top thing yes. is truth that we care about so we always want to be killing uh, telling the kids uh, what's what's true and confronting some of these cultural lies and let's just be honest the culture is not making this any easier you know, no, uh, it's not. And it's sad. I wish I wish. I mean, don't you wish you could have waited until your kids were 16 to talk to them about sex or, or 13 at least? You can't, man. Like can't. the culture's coming for our kids and, and they're going to indoctrinate them with the worldly view of it unless we can counteract that. And so, yeah, I think getting to them first is important. Yeah. And that's and this is like and this requires sometimes, unfortunately, like just awkward conversations, you know, but I like what you said, too. We can't seem awkward. Because if we're awkward, she'll be awkward or he'll be awkward. So you just kind of uh, (laughs) approach it. But I also like that you couch it kind of in a, you know, a a good rites of passage where there are these things like you're growing up now and you're mature enough to handle this. Like this is special. And this is a, and this is a special thing. That's exactly it. Like this is such a cool thing because that's, that's what Kelly and I talked about a lot. was like, we don't want our kids to have a view of sex. That's it's bad or it's dirty or it's, we want them to view it the way God says. And so that's another thing because the culture can skew how they think about this thing. Um, So we wanted to get to them with, no, this is an awesome gift that God gave us, but there are parameters on how he wants us to, to exercise this gift. Yeah. And I would say, and we we only have a couple minutes left in the show, but Mm -hmm. I want to ask you the question. I'm wondering, I'm going to say where I am, but then point, point you point the, uh, the question back on you. I think that this right here, sexual ethics in our children is, for me right now, it seems like the number one kind of not obstacle, but it's the thing that makes life most difficult for me as a parent, like whether it be the transgender issue, male, female issues, because I'm raising four daughters. Right. So I want, I'm, I'm raising them to be strong women. I'm married to a really strong woman. I want my girls to be strong, but mm-hmm. th- like it's hard for them to grasp the strong woman thing in the context of kind of the me too generation that, that we live in where uh, now it's like well, men and women, there's no separation. Anything, mm-hmm. it used to be, you know, um, and do you remember the, uh, like, there was a commercial on TV, anything you can do, I can do better. Anything oh, you yeah, can yeah, do, yeah. I can do too. And I used to love watching those things because like as, as a kid, like it's right, you know, these little, like uh, my, my daughter who's 12 can, can play any sport that she wants, can, can read any yeah. book that's like, you know, she can do whatever she wants in the context of God's design. But now we have the world that's like, you can be anything you want to be. And I'm, I'm trying to navigate right mm-hmm. now how to teach my girls to stay strong and also not fall into the, the pits of the culture. What would you say are some of yeah. those pits for you as you're trying to navigate this as well? 
Well, I think a couple of things. One is like, I want to teach my kids. I can't just do anything I want. I shouldn't do just anything I want to do, but I literally can't do anything I want. So all of us have parameters placed on us and the boundaries that God's created us. In. Yeah. So that's one. That's the good. other thing is, is, is I try to affirm them in who they are, personality wise, gender wise, all of that. Like, like, and I think one of the ways I can do that for my daughters, especially is by, is by lifting up their mom is by talking about their mom in great ways in front of them. Great like point. this is, this is what you want to be. Like, she's amazing. Like, do you look at how she serves? Do you look at how, how kind and gentle she is? Like, I pray that when you girls grow up, you can be like your mom because she's the example. So I try to affirm their femininity and I try to affirm their intellect and I tried all of those things, you know, but like you said, if we're trying to teach our kids to live in truth, we can't just become whatever we want. And so I'll, I'll pose questions like that to them. Do you think that, yeah. uh, that giraffe at the, at the zoo can become a cheetah? And they're like, dad, come on. Like, that's stupid. And I'm like, well, listen, people think that if, if somebody decides something, they can change. Yeah. What do you think about that? You know, so th those are some of the things I do, but affirming who they are in and who God made them to be, I think is a huge aspect of it. So any way you can find to do that, I think, I think will help them long-term. I think that that is like, that's the number one takeaway from this whole show. Actually, what you just said, I love that you're reinforcing who your wife is lifting her up as an example, showing your love for her, right? Husbands love your wife as Christ has loved the church, but yeah. then also, uh, sewing into them. My, my thing is it's all identity. Uh, who are you really? Right. Who are you really? And so the one thing that I know where the music's about to start here, but the one thing that I do every night when I tuck my girls in, I say, you're a real life princess. And they say, I That's know. Awesome. And I say, why are you a real life princess? And they say, because I'm a, tr a daughter of the true king. You know, and, right. and we just sow that into them and, ho and hope that it's enough, man. That's all we have. We have trust in God. And, uh, and, I, and I trust God with my kids ultimately. But hey, Robbie, man, this was a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for thanks for getting on here, man. This has been fun. We'll have to do it more often. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And with that, guys, this is uh, this has been a great a great time with you. I'm John Noyes, Robbie Lashua for Stand to Reason. Uh, hopefully, next time Greg will be back with you next week. Talk to you then. Bye bye.